This is World to Win, bringing you the latest news and analysis from a socialist perspective. Hi, and welcome to World to Win, especially hi to all of our new subscribers. It's really good to have you around. And if you don't know, we all we are also on all our podcast platforms. So if you're not uh, really into the whole video thing, you can always go to your favorite pa- uh, platform and listen on there. And uh, before we start, I can see you on screen, Toya, and I want to say hello. I haven't seen you in so long. How have you been? I've been good, missing doing the show. We haven't filmed an episode in a while, so I'm excited to to get back at it. And this week's episode is the perfect kind of welcome back um, for us today, I think. I know. I'm, I'm really excited about this because, you know, Okay, we'll start talking about this, uh, about what we're talking about, and then we'll say how excited we are, like we normally do, um, so we, we don't spoil it. So I think that um, you can see from the title that we're going to talk about kind of abortion rights day. Uh, it's been a really weird few months when it comes to abortion. Uh, we've seen uh, uh, abortion banned in Texas almost overnight. And we are seeing uh, millions of women uh, terrified if they want to uh, terminate a pregnancy. And they also may be forced to uh, go to, you know, the alternatives, which we all know exist. I think the the last time I saw this data was the 49% of abortions worldwide uh, were illegal abortions. So were done not um, within a, a controlled medical environment. Um, so we know that this exists regardless uh, of the legality of it. And we know that our women in Texas might actually have to turn to these solutions now, which is obviously a huge step back. Um, and, uh, you know, the and, and on top of that, we have the U.S. Supreme Court prepare, that, that's prepared to hear a case that could even further undermine uh, abortion rights on a national level as well. And we, but, but, but obviously women are not staying silent to that. We've seen our women taking to the streets across uh, 50 states and also internationally as well. Uh, we've seen solidarity protests basically everywhere because of how, you know, terrifying this situation can be. Yara, though, we've also seen crazy amounts of solidarity. Have you seen the TikToks of other people like saying, if you need an abortion and you're in Texas, I will pay for your plane ticket for you to come here. Just the amount of solidarity among women that we've seen through this struggle to me is inspiring. It's so inspiring. And I think it also shows this, you know, because we can talk about facts and figures all the time. But I think it just the, the level of solidarity that we've seen shows that most people are opposed to these reactionary changes to the law. Like most people believe that abortion should be legalized. And for, for, for I think, obvious reasons, we talked a little bit about it uh, now and we will uh, in a bit as well. But I think there's kind of like shows of solidarity from both, you know, people in the States and outside the States is amazing. But then we also have uh, another victory uh, that happened, you know, just on the other side of the border in Mexico, um, where the Supreme Court in Mexico ruled that criminal penalties for terminating pregnancies are unconstitutional, which is obviously a major step in the other direction. Um, and uh, I think that it's really important and really good that we are going to talk about this today as well. 
with two new guests. I'm so excited. Some some um, new people on the show that we haven't talked to. It's it's going to be a great one. Yeah, so speaking of the guests, I want to say hello, first of all, to Grace from Texas, uh, from our uh, uh, International Socialist Alternative section in the US. How are you doing, Grace? Hi there. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I'm doing well. And here in Texas, you know, since the day that the, the abortion ban took effect, we've been organizing um, and talking to people about how we can fight back against it. We helped organize a student walkout in Houston, and uh, we actively took part in the demonstrations on October 2nd. Right, um, I, like I saw the pictures from the protests, and it's so amazing to see so many women and so many people out on the streets fighting this. And like, I, I, can ima I can't imagine how busy you must be right now. Uh, so it's great to have you in here. And we also have uh, a member uh, of our Mexican section, uh, Maita. So hi, how are you doing? Hi, I'm great, thank you. I'm really excited to be talking about Mexico and abortion. Of course, feminism is always a great topic to be talking about. And well, um, in Rosa, Mexico, we organized a talk to, well, precisely about this topic, about the decriminalization of abortion. Uh, well, here in Mexico, it was kind of really um, handled uh, weirdly by the media. There was a lot of fake news and everything, but we were really excited to be able to contribute to understanding what was happening for every Mexican feminist. That's so brilliant to hear. And I'm looking forward to hear about this so much because I, I you know, the, there's been so many different things that were happening with abortion. Uh, it was Mexico, obviously, US, obviously, and also we, we've seen uh, backlash in China as well. So I'm really interested to kind of hear more about this and uh, let's go right into it. So I want to ask my first question, which is going to be to Grace, because I think that um, it, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it can be a little bit confusing, especially if you're outside of the US. So how exactly um, did the, the, the ruling illegalize abortion in Texas? How did this happen? How did this happen? Why did this happen? And how does it work? Yeah, I think uh, even in the U.S., a lot of people are asking themselves that very same question of how did this happen? Um, for background, right, Roe v. Wade, which is a court case in 1973, was originally filed here in Texas. And that, you know, forced by a, a historic women's movement, did grant the formal legal right uh, to an abortion. Uh, but the thing is, Ever since that happened, uh, it has been subject to attack after attack that just chipped away at genuine access to reproductive care um, in, in a regulatory fashion, but also just by the right wing doing everything that they can state by state to make it as difficult and laborious and painful and degrading as possible um, to access an abortion. In Indiana, you have to bury or cremate the fetus. You have to have pre-abortion counseling with propaganda to convince you not to do it. Um, um, and uh, all sorts of things like that and regulations on the width of hallways of clinics that have forced clinics to close everywhere um, to the point where six states only have one clinic. So understanding that background of the situation that led up to this is really important, I think. And meanwhile, uh, these, these right-wing states have just been throwing out these bills that try to ban abortion and, uh, uh, you know, and, and heartbeat bills in this or that way. And it's just song and dance where they put that out in their legislature 
legislature riles up their their pro-life base and then it's blocked by the courts on the basis of Roe v. Wade. And uh, with the Texas law, this was a huge breakthrough for, for the sexist far-right movement trying to eliminate uh, abortion rights and reproductive rights uh, here in the U.S. because of its mechanism of enforcement. Uh, it basically empowers uh, any vigilante uh, to uh, to sue an abortion provider or anyone who, quote-unquote, aids and abets an abortion, um, in, which is certain to embolden the most reactionary and misogynistic elements of society, right? And so because it does that, um, the pro-life movement, quote-unquote pro-life, is very excited that they now have this way of, of fundamentally restricting abortion. This is a ban on abortion because it bans abortions at five to six weeks, uh, uh, which is uh, on the basis of there being a fetal heartbeat, really just any sort of early cardiac activity uh, that can be detected. And um, particularly disgusting about it, there are no uh, there are no exceptions for rape or incest. Um, and I think that the threat of Roe v. Wade uh, uh, being overturned has been hanging over our heads uh, for a long time. But I think that a lot of people in the U.S. were expecting the Supreme Court on September 1st to uh, halt the law from going into effect with a stay. Um, and when they didn't, it's a really huge wake-up call that is really at our doorstep. Um, and now, if, if we're not able to decisively push it back and defeat it in Texas, thousands, tens of thousands, in reality, tens of thousands of people are going to be forced to give birth. It doesn't matter if they're homeless. It doesn't matter if they're a kid in middle school. Um, and it doesn't matter if they were sexually assaulted. Um, it is incredibly dehumanizing. Um, and it could spread to other states as well. In Florida, they're trying to replicate the same kind of law. Thanks, Grace. Yeah, it's absolutely insane what they're trying to do with this law. I mean, you know, as a menstruating person, sometimes I don't realize that I've even missed my period until five, six, seven weeks if I'm stressed and busy. So to know that you're pregnant at that time, oftentimes it, it, it just doesn't happen. And so they're basically making it impossible um, for women to react um, and make a make an informed decision. Um, and, you know, polls have come out where we're seeing, like Yara was saying in the beginning, you know, Upwards of 70% of Americans are against what is happening in Texas um, and support um, abortion uh, rights for people. And so I think these numbers are really uh, astounding in speaking to the anger that, that people um, have felt. And what we saw on October 2nd was, um, you know, hundreds of, of people across the states um, out, you know, on a national day of action, which was extremely um, inspiring, um, you know, to say that we are against these, we are against these um, attacks on abortion. Um, and one of my favorite things was the signs that we saw, you know, you see these like old, old women that they're the ones who fought for Roe v. Wade in the 70s, holding up signs that saying, I can't believe I have to do this again. Um, you know, there are other signs saying uh, things about uh, you know, if we're going to ban abortion, we have to ban vasectomies, you know, this double standard between men and women. Crazy, crazy signs, which are absolutely hilarious, but also so extremely true. Um, so, Grace, can you talk a little bit more? You know, we saw this National Day of Action. We're seeing, um, you know, people on social media going to uh, protect Planned Parenthood, protecting patients from walking in. Is that what it's going to take um, for us to stop uh, these attacks on, on reproductive rights in the U.S.? Just to, to emphasize what you were just saying about the, the situation, the really dire situation this puts 
working class women in and some of the most depressed women in the state in, it is really serious. We, especially in the U.S. South, uh, I mean, we have very religious communities where people don't know where babies come from, you know, imagining all what, what could happen to people. Um, the distance to travel to a clinic was already incredibly unreasonable. It was an average of 247 miles for a given woman in Texas to get to an abortion clinic. And we know that for, you know, somebody who uh, is a person of means, you know, this will be a challenge, but it wouldn't stop them from being able to have that option. Um, but uh, for working class women, uh, it is it is a much bigger deal to have childcare, to miss work, to have the gas money, to stay at a hotel because you have to go to the clinic twice. Um, all of those things, um, and even abortion pills as well, which really are an alternative for working class women to not have to travel, to not have to pay for the procedure, are also under attack um, from the Supreme Court in January, but also in Texas. Um, but yeah, I think that what you what you referred to in kind of the vibrancy of the signs and the anger and the mood around it, and also um, like the just the, the signs of solidarity that we've seen, you know, people wanting to protect um, abortions that are happening from the right, people wanting to donate money to get somebody a plane ticket. That is, um, uh, you know, really a core principle of what we have to build. But uh, from the day that we that we started taking to the streets and socialist alternative to talk to people about, have you heard about this abortion ban? What do you think about it? What do you think that we have to do? What do you think it's gonna have to take uh, to to defeat it? People were asking us, why isn't more happening? Um, and I think that one thing that we have to acknowledge about how we got into this situation is that you know Roe v. Wade uh, in winning the right to an abortion uh, through the courts was the uh, hallmark victory of this titanic women's movement that we had throughout the 60s and 70s um, that was built by, you know, ordinary people. We're talking about the people who want abortion rights. They're not politicians and judges. They are, uh, they were ordinary working class people. They were college students and housewives and working class women of color. Like, that's so important for us to remember. Um, but then ever since then, there's been this, this overarching strategy by the Democratic Party, on the one hand, who have for decades, said, vote for us if you want to defend Roe v. Wade. Now they're in power and we're seeing the worst attacks on Roe v. Wade since since the beginning. Um, and then also from kind of the nonprofits of like organizations like NOW um, and Planned Parenthood and NARAL who have an important role to play and people in society look to them as, you know, people donate to Planned Parenthood when these things happen. People, exactly like you said, Toya, go to uh, defend Planned Parenthood and that's incredibly important. But then also a lot of this fight where we've seen kind of the song and dance of the right coming after abortion rights and then trying to push back in the courts. That's only rolled back abortion rights over the course of decades and put working people in a worse situation, right? Um, and so especially in this moment, what's really lacking um, isn't uh, energy and anger and a desire to fight, but is, is an organized leadership that's focused on the tactics that want abortion rights in the first place, which are mass protests, um, uncompromising demands. And if we look at what won Roe v. Wade in the first place, that grew out of ordinary women organizing at the local level, beginning to coordinate nationally, escalating tactics, uh, organizing a one-day strike, flooding, packing the courts and the halls of the legislatures. Like these are the combative tactics that we are going to need to mobilize at a at a mass level. Um, and so it is, it is incredibly urgent uh, that, that we really set our sights on building the kind of movement that can, because it's not up to the courts and it's not up to them at the end of the day. We know from the lessons of Roe v. Wade that it is actually, when we spring into action, when push comes to shove, it is up to ordinary people. I think this is 
leading me perfectly to the next part because yeah that the movement in the 60s and 70s like you talked about grace is so crucial in the victories that were won at that time and although we can see that at any point all of our victories can be taken back the moment that the ruling class uh, believes they can it's still so important to talk like you did about the the role of the mass movements in kind of making the ruling class make these concessions. And I think a perfect example of this, if we do, we want to go from like the grim reality in Texas right now uh, to something a little bit more positive, is the situation in Mexico, where, you know, we've seen throughout the world in the past few years, we've seen mass movements, uh, especially in the context of abortion rights. Uh, we've seen, you know, anywhere from Ireland, Poland, and loads in Latin America as well. And we've seen a recent victory in Argentina, but now also in Mexico. So, uh, uh, Meta, it would be really, really good if you could tell us a little bit about uh, what exactly happened in Mexico and how that connects to those movements as, as well. So what happened last September 7th in Mexico was that the Supreme Court of Justice of the nation made a historical declaration about abortion. Uh, the criminalization of abortion in the penal code of the state of Coahuila was declared as unconstitutional. And another really important aspect and something that wasn't like really mentioned here in Mexico was that not only women have abortions, also trans men and non-binary people. And this declaration talks about that and it's really important because now uh, LGBTI plus activists can also get more involved in this fight. So uh, yeah, so it's really great for Mexico. And well, this doesn't mean that abortion is now legal because the media was handling like that. Uh, it does set a really important precedent for the states that haven't legalized completely abortion to start reforming their constitutions. And this is because in Mexico, as well as the United States, and I'm sure that several other countries, each state has its own constitution. So this is why the path towards uh, legalization of abortion in Mexico has been really slow and really difficult for women and uh, everyone who can get an abortion. But this uh, declaration makes it easier or a little bit easier for these states to start making reforms to guarantee their right to get an abortion. And well, um, this is thanks to the men's demonstrations Mex uh, Mexican feminists have organized all around the country in the last years. Uh, the biggest demonstration ever held in Mexico City, well, feminist <laughs> demonstration was in 2020. So not even the pandemic could stop us. Uh, well, abortion also now has an important place in the political agenda and many more states such as Oaxaca, Hidalgo and Veracruz are following the uh, the steps of Me Mexico City where abortion is available for anyone who wants to terminate their pregnancy. Well, it's nice to hear, you know, kind of going in the other direction of some successes of the movement. Now, you started to go into a little bit about in 2020 some of the protests that helped um, get us to the point that we are today. But can you take us back a little bit further even to talk about, you know, these mass movements over the past few years in Mexico that have helped um, put forward this legislation? When we talk about uh, abortion here in Mexico and Latin America, we have to talk about the Maria Verde or the green tide. And, and that's why you see all of us Mexican feminists wearing green handkerchiefs 
Well, uh, the Green Tide is a movement that was born here in Latin America, in Argentina more specifically, and it's so big and so important that it expanded all the way through Mexico, and it's also present in Brazil, in Peru, in uh, Venezuela, in Chile, so it's really, really important. And since 2018, really, it's when these really big feminist demonstrations started to get more attention from the media and the government. Uh, of course, feminists have always had this stigma of being uh, bad to Mexican image, of being too noisy, of being too, uh, I don't know, <laughs> it's really weird, it, of being uh, destructive, you know? So, even though we have all of this stigma, these demonstrations have continued. And in 2020, the 8th of March, because um, we, the demonstrations happened really important dates for us Mexican feminists, but also international feminism. So the 8th of March of 2020 was one of the biggest feminist demonstrations here in Mexico City, but also all over the country. And it was one of the biggest demonstrations to ever happen in Mexico City. So it's really big. And in response to all of these demonstrations that have been happening even over the pandemic, because as I said it earlier, uh, it didn't stop us. It, even in 2021, we have some really big demonstrations as the one that happened in September. Uh, some ultra-right uh, groups and conservative demonstrations have happened, but they have been really small in comparison to our demonstrations. So this, this talks about how the Mexican society is taking abortion, I think. But the thing is that these ultra-right and conservative um, um, groups also have a political support, uh, such as the PAN and distinct uh, party PES, but even the right wing of the supposedly left wing uh, party, Morena, uh, is uh, supporting these groups. It's so awesome how you described how, you know, this movement is not just happening in Mexico. It's happening all throughout Latin America. Um, the solidarity that exists between countries and between women is so important. Um, so... You know, we've talked a lot today about the demonstrations that have happened, the signs that people are holding, what's happening in the Supreme Court. But, you know, as a socialist in, uh, you know, the International Socialist Alternative, and also I know that you're a member of um, ROSA internationally, what do you see as the way forward for the abortion rights movement? So... I think there's a lot of work to do. Uh, here in Mexico, the feminist movement is still kind of disorganized. So that's the first thing we have to make sure to uh, work better in. Um, and, and it's not only to legalize abortion in Mexico, but to make sure it's available for those who are economically, socially, and legally vulnerable. Uh, in Mexico City, an abortion in a private clinic is about 2,000 pesos, which is around $97. So that's not fair for uh, because in public hospitals, women face violence and stigma. In the feminist movement, we must fight against uh, the racist and classist arguments that some liberal feminists uh, say to defend the right to have an abortion. And that's really critic. We can't just say that some women shouldn't have abortions or some women shouldn't have kids. We must uh, fight these kind of statements 
And we also need to face it in an organized way, as I just mentioned, to demand the legalization of abortion in a national level and services to be guaranteed so that abortion can be really accessible, not to only a privileged class. Uh, we can only do this uh, if we not only include women in our movement, we need workers, students, the youth, LGBTI plus um, members of the LGBTI plus community, because not as I, as I previously said it, not only women have abortions. So this isn't really a topic for only women to talk about. We need to talk about it in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our organization, especially in socialist alternative. I think uh, it's so important. And I mean, this is a great space to talk about because I love to hear what's happening about feminism and abortion in another country, you know? So not only we uh, Mexican women have to talk about it, we have to talk about it internationally because also in Poland, there have been happening some really uh, critic things about abortion. So yeah, I think that's what we need to do uh, in Mexico and internationally. I think it's so interesting to hear what you're talking about uh, now, Maite, because I think like the, the statements that you're saying, that people are saying that some women shouldn't have children or some women shouldn't have abortions, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I, I, I really think that you touched on like the main point here that there needs to be like th this question isn't even even if it was just a question of women, it's not something that can be won just by women who want abortion, you know what I mean? It, it has to be a movement that is a united movement uh, of, because it's a, it's a working class issue like you, I think, highlighted really, really well. And I was wondering if Grace, uh, you think that that position is correct for the US as well? Because I know that there's, a, you know, specifically in the US, a lot of kind of people who are making the point of, um, you know, each struggle to their own uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, sort of way. So I was wondering if you agree about the way forward for abortions in the US as well. Well, I want to start answering that question. Short answer is yes. I want to start answering that question by talking about what I've noticed about young people right now. Um, the first is, so I've been talking to, I'm from the Northeast originally, and I've been talking to people who attended these October 2nd protests, and uh, one thing uh, that they saw is a lot of, you know, typically like older folks um, were basically making it about Texas, like, you know, F word Texas and things like that, and thinking, oh, this is something that people in the South do because they're so backwards. Um, whereas all over the country, you had teenagers on TikTok flocking to these abortion tip lines that were set up as soon as they were set up and reporting, you know, fictional characters, Marvel characters for aiding and abetting an abortion, uh, pasting the entire script of the movie B-movie, right? Like, that's incredible. And then um, another thing is... Um, uh, at uh, the University of Houston, the students who organized a walkout last Thursday, they had the idea and they printed on their posters that they wanted people to wear green in solidarity with uh, the green type movement and other reference to it as well. So I think that that instinctive solidarity with people in Texas who they understand are not uh, genuinely represented by their government and are going to be the ones that are affected by this. And then also um, this internationalist consciousness that I think is it's a really special time for that, like this interconnectedness that young people have um and yeah i think that 
we we've been one thing that we've been saying to people is you know Roe was one with the with the with the movement. We need to build a movement on the scale of what we saw then. But that does not mean that we don't recognize the mistakes that were made. Um, mistake one: we know that there was a history of excluding uh, the LGBT movement, um, excluding Black women from these struggles. That was stupid, and there's no tolerance for that in the young people of today who are going to be the raw material of, of, of the movement that's coming, right? Um, we know that, I mean, I'm glad that uh, Maite brought it up, like trans men are also impacted by, by these restrictions that are put in place. Black women are three times more likely to die from complications of pregnancy and childbirth. In general, black and Hispanic women are, are, are disproportionately uh, unable to access contraception. Um, all of these things we understand is interconnected and also I in our tables that we've been having I'm talking to boyfriends husbands fathers that really care about this issue um and I think that it's incredibly important that we uh that we harness that as well um not just because if we don't organize on the basis of an injury to one is an injury to all we won't be able to assemble the forces to win uh first of all but also one one of the things that's behind uh this um how uh, egregious this abortion ban is, is that, you know, even compared to 1973 and before Roe was won, we have a housing crisis, a childcare crisis, a climate crisis, a student debt crisis, underfunded public schools, gutted social services, to say nothing of the massive public, massive public health crisis that we're facing right now. Um, we're working longer and harder for less. Like, this is kind of the, the rot um, that applies to, you know, all of these different struggles. Um, and uh, when uh, a high school valedictorian in Dallas, she gave this speech, she went viral um, earlier this summer for going off script and making this speech where she talked about like the, the Texas ban that at that point had made it through the legislature, um, saying it, it's like my future is being stolen from me and what uh, everything that I've worked for is being stolen from me. And I think that for a lot of people, that's characterizes a much broader feature of the situation and something that we need to fight against as working people. In the U.S. especially, we need our own political party to be able to actually wave that, wave that fight for us. I don't have time to get into how much the Democrats are failing to do that right now, but they are the party in power. Um, and... Um, you know, and also fundamentally, like these kinds of restrictions on, uh, I was watching an older episode of World to Win and our comrade Tony said that, uh, you know, as long as we're under capitalism, the capitalist class controls technology and how it's used and giving it and taking it away. It's so, the, the, the ability to plan uh, when to have a child and how to have a child and to have that be a rational decision that is made is so important for women's role in society. But that's being taken away from us as a means of social control to create, you know, desperation for workers in the U.S. to make billions of dollars off of forcing people to give birth. The average cost of giving birth in a hospital in Texas is over $17,000, which is crazy. Um, but to go back to the mistakes of a women's movement of the past, the second really big one is, and this isn't unilaterally true, there was a social feminist thing in the movement that was talking about this, but we can't just frame this as a question of Roe v. Wade legally, it was framed as privacy rights, so the right to privacy to get an abortion, or even just a medical necessity. We have to frame this as an issue of liberation for women, for working families, for all of the oppressed, because if you don't do that and organize on the basis of an injury to one is an injury to all, on the basis of working class solidarity, um, you're, we're just going to continue to see what we've seen over decades of, of a rolling back of it. So like we said in the beginning, this is such a good episode for us to come back from our, 
you know, few week vacation that Yara and I took from YouTube um, and uh, uh, podcasts. So remember, you can listen to us on podcasts as well. Um, but just to kind of wrap up, you know, Grace, the last response you gave, you were getting a little bit into the problems of the Democratic Party. And I know we could talk about the Democratic Party for hours. Um, we don't have time to do that today. But Texas is a red state, you know. Um, there's a lot of old white men um, who are in power in a place like Texas. And even outside of Texas, we see a lot of extremely older um, white men in power who are making decisions about our bodies, making decisions about everything. Um, and so, you know, is the direction that we should go in electing more women, maybe more younger women, um, because they understand the need for abortion. Is that, is, is, would that help the movement? You touched on a really, really important feature of the situation right now. I would say my experience at the October 2nd protest, I asked everybody, everybody that I talked to, what do you think has to come next after, after today's day of action? And the most common answer every single time was elect women. Um, we need to elect more women. And when they say we need to get rid of these uh, old cis white men, they're not wrong. And I think that the, the idea behind that is exactly what you said, that we don't want people making our choices for us. And I think that the actual solution to that root problem is not that we have another person who should be more sympathetic still making that choice for us, right? Under capitalism, as working class people, Every choice that we make, you know, when you wake up in the morning, what are you going to do? You're going to go to work. What, you know, what kind of food can you afford to buy? What are you going to do with yourself today? Are you going to do an activity that you can or cannot afford? Can you have a child? Like all of these things are not our decisions, really. Um, in a lot of ways, we're very limited in what kind of choices we can make. And that doesn't just apply to women. That applies to absolutely every single, every single working class person who is in this position. You know, uh, when people talk about this as being, you know, a women's Issue. Like we've talked so far about how this actually affects all the working class and everything, but I think that when we're talking about, okay, well, how is it that a women's issue? Because it isn't that it's not, but I think that it's useful to think about why does capitalism need to have this category of women? Why does it need to have this category of immigrants? Like what purpose do those kinds of divisions serve to them, right? And on the one hand, it divides the working class and our ability to unite and fight back. Um, but also if we just look at the case of women, right? The reproductive role of creating the next generation of people to, to exploit, um, in addition to receiving on, in general, lower wages in the workplace, accepting, uh, terrible treatment um, in, with the whole Me Too movement, like really brought to light. Um, but in the reverse sense, that shows just how much power women have in society, right? We are making this whole thing run. Um, and uh, in the unions, I think it's what, 49% of union members are women in the US today, um, or something along those lines. Um, it's it's crazy and it shows the, the, the power in that, especially that would be completely unstoppable when united in action, an organization, um, a working class centered and led organization to take back power for all of society to be able to, you know, between the climate crisis, you know, the, the economic crisis, COVID, like things are just out of control in general. We need, we need to be able to, to take back that, um, that agency in a democratic sense, in a collective sense. And I think that's kind of the thrust of socialist feminism. I think that's a brilliant kind of uh, explanation of socialist feminism and what we, why we need it. And I think 
yeah, like, do I really care if the person oppressing me is a woman or a man? <laughs> I don't really. And, you know, especially like, you know, in the UK, we always give this uh, example of Margaret Thatcher was uh, a woman prime minister who was super horrible to workers, broke the unions and brought back women and uh, the working class years um, like, you know, years, if not decades, uh, back, but despite the fact that she was a woman. And I think that we see it constantly. Uh, women who are elected into office aren't necessarily better for women, uh, despite the fact that they're women. Uh, so I think the way that you phrase it about how what we need is a movement that's made up of the working class with the purpose of supporting the working class and giving us this liberation that we, we kept on talking about today is super important. And I think, Maite, I think I want to hear from you as well because uh, uh, there was this uh, little buzzword that Grace uh, uh, said, the socialist feminism. And I'm wondering, what do you think socialist feminism is and how do you think it applies to the struggle in Mexico? Because in your case, I suppose it can look like the Supreme Court did give women what they needed. So uh, is it still relevant? Well, for me, socialist feminism is recognizing that women are oppressed not only by the patriarchy, but also by capitalism. And if we're talking about Latino women or Black women, they are also oppressed by racism. And it goes on and on and on for every person. Okay, so... Um, Socialist feminism recognizes all of these oppressions and proposes an organized and active fight against it. So this is why we need socialist feminism, because young women today aren't sold on girl boss glass ceiling liberal feminism. We don't want to be CEOs. We want a fair life for everyone. We just want to live our lives without violence, and we want to be able to choose over our own bodies. Uh, well, and why is it so important in Mexico? Because Mexican women are poor. Mexican women are working, working class women. They, they are the ones who don't have the access to a safe abortion. Only the bourgeoisie is able to get an abortion in a private clinic. So that is why we need socialist feminism so much in Mexico. Working class women can, are the ones who are being murdered here in Mexico. So that is why we need this class conscious so much here in Mexico. And yeah, as you mentioned, uh, some people may think that just because the Supreme Court of Justice recognized that it's unconstitutional to send women to jail because they got an abortion, that doesn't mean that there aren't women today just because they are women in Mexico. Uh, Mexican, the Mexican judicial system is so corrupt and so unfair. And that is why not only women need to fight, but men and women and non-binary people. And we need to recognize trans, trans women and trans men. And it's so important that the Supreme Court of Justice talked about not only women having abortions, but people yeah, that have wombs, people that are, able, that are able to get pregnant can also get an abortion. So yeah, I don't know if I rambled, but <laughs> that's... My commentary. Thank you. So thank you so much. Uh, it was so interesting to see and to hear more about it. I think everyone around the world has been looking to these 
mass movement in the past few years and and in the in the Texan case in the past month or so. Uh, so it's so important, I think, to kind of give perspective on it and talk about the way forward to the women's movement and the lessons that we can learn from both of these. So thank you so much for being here uh, and uh, hopefully see you soon. Yara, this has been such an exciting episode. We always say it, but they all are exciting. And it was a really good episode to come back on something that's super important um, and affects, you know, half the world's population. Um, so it's, I mean, it, if it wasn't exciting, we wouldn't be doing it. That, so. that is true. That is true. Um, so now it's time for our shout out of the week, um, which I hear through the grapevine, Yara, that you are going to be participating um, in the COP26. I am. I am. It's. I think uh, from the time that we're filming this, it's exactly a month. So I'm very excited uh, and also very terrified about how cold it's going to be. But it's going to be amazing. I saw some of the work that our members uh, in Scotland and also if the reinforcements from the international have been doing that. And it's amazing the amount of names, the amount of numbers, that people saying, yes, I'll go. And you know, even uh, where I live in London, which is quite far from Glasgow, um, it's a few hours by train, I think something like four or five hours by train. Uh, we are meeting people in the street who are saying, yes, sign me up I'll come with you so it's actually incredible how crucial people see this because it is you know our future how refreshing it is to hear that you can travel internationally by train oh I wish I wish there was a train I, mean, I could really take across internationally. <laughs> yeah, I could take across and go um so I wanted to take this moment though to shout out um the hard work um, that our, you know, young group of members from the International Socialist Alternative um, throughout several countries are doing to make sure that um, this event in Glasgow, Scotland is uh, going to be a, a good one and a memorable one. Um, we've been preparing. Um, like you mentioned, you can find us on social media, seeing us talking to people on the ground in Scotland about the COP26 United Nations Climate Summit in November. And so we've been meeting hundreds of people who are extremely excited to join us. If you too want to join us, you totally can. You know, we're going to have speakers, uh, social speakers from around the world that will be there. Um, and so if you're in Europe or if you're not in Europe and you're able to travel to Europe, um, you should come join us in the description below. You can find a link so you can meet up with us and you could meet Yara um, while you're there. So thank as you. As long as you say hello. <laughs> thank you so much, everyone, for watching and listening to us today. Um, and we will see you on our next episode. This is World to Win. Every Sunday, we broadcast with speakers from across the globe, bringing you the latest news and analysis on the fast-moving global events from a socialist perspective. Subscribe to the International Socialist Alternatives YouTube page and click the bell to get notified when we go live for a new episode. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram because there's a lot to do and we have a world to win. When they fight! When they fight! When they fight! Solidarity!